0: Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a
1: voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. I'm Mathani. And I'm Emma. And today we have two guests with us. We have Leslie and Heather. Hi, ladies. Nice. Um, Hello. You um, and this is a panel episode. We're going to be talking about grief, um, insight into grief as a birth mom, what it looks like, how to cope, what resources are available.
1: Yes, yes. Leslie, if you'll just give us an introduction of of your role as a birth mom and and how many years you've been a birth mom and yeah.
2: Hello, my name is Leslie. Um, I uh, have been a birth mom uh, for 15 months. Yeah, uh, uh, to a beautiful little girl. Um, I am in a very close and very open adoption with her wonderful parents. Um, I, uh, I I think that's about it. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's a little bit about me. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Leslie, for being here. Okay, Heather. Mm-hmm. Okay, my name's Heather. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I have been working at an adoption agency for about 14 years um, and for 12 of those years I worked really closely um, with expectant moms and birth parents um, and I had the opportunity to walk through almost every part of the journey from um, the first time they were learning about adoption options and then time in post adoption where we were really dealing with some um, heavy grief. So I've been really privileged and blessed to learn from so many women um, that have gone through this experience.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm really, really excited to hear um, from you and, and your, your diverse um, perspective as well. So Mathani, should we go ahead and just jump into our questions?
0: Let's do it. Okay. Leslie, um, you're about 15 months in, right? Yeah. Into your adoption journey. Okay. Okay. So fresh. You're fresh. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. Um, how would you say, or would you say that you've dealt with any grief so far? Um,
2: and how have you normally uh, dealt with it? um so uh definitely yeah definitely some grief so far um it's been strange you know i i you know going through like the the process i tried to be very logical and very rational and very you know like you know i asked thousands of questions like all the time and you know and i just wanted to be as prepared as i could be for everything and i'm finding out every single day that no matter how prepared i thought i was like here's another fresh wave here's like another you know another moment where it's just like it it's like it happened yesterday it's like I you know you know let her go for the first time again and so definitely definitely dealing with a lot of grief I used to you know what you know before, before I had her and, um, you know, probably actually, you know, probably all the way through, you know, the pregnancy and everything. I kind of always dealt with grief the same way. Um, I, uh, ignored it. <laughs> I just, I just, you're an avoider. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a heartbeat. I don't want to talk about it. I, I just want to push it to the back. I want to pick up more shifts at work. So I'm not thinking about it. I want to you know watch as many movies as I can I want to like drown myself in media so I can't get a single thought to pass through like that's always how I'd been and you know and it seemed to be working (laughs) in a very unhealthy way (laughs) but it seemed to be working and then um but like everything like post you know like after it's strange how, how it's true just like even though I don't have her like she changed my life Like, so everything now I I have to deal with it and I have to think about it. and I have to sit there and be in that moment because it's just like, you know, with, with me having an open adoption, like I'm going to see her again. And I, and I have to be very mindful and aware of what I'm taking to her, you know, the next time that I see her. So I, I do deal with it now. I would like to say a lot healthier, but you know, I still have those moments where I kind of backtrack and still go, all right, maybe not today. Maybe not, maybe not dealing with it right now, but a lot of that.
1: Yeah. I like how, how you talked about, like, it comes like no matter how prepared you are, right? Like you can feel like you're thorough and you're preparing yourself. I know for me, I tried to detach as much as I could. And, you know, think of my daughter's parents as, those are her parents. I am not her mom. And like doing all of that, Heather, before even jumping into your question that we have, I'm, I want to ask you really quick. Do you think birth moms can do things to really prepare? I mean, obviously there are things that could be helpful, but what's your take on that?
3: I mean, I think you can prepare as much as you want, but that grief is still going to hit you like a ton of bricks. I mean, Mm. it's going to happen. Um, whether, you know, we have women that make this decision from the hospital after the baby's born. And we have women that, you know, as soon as they find out they're pregnant, go, okay, I know adoption is, is the choice I'm making. Um, and both of those situations and everywhere in between is, is going to experience, um, heavy grief because it is a loss and it's, it's a really hard thing to go through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Athani, you can go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to ask her that follow-up question. You can ask the, the next question. No, you're good. And so Heather, what would you say are the
0: common ways that you see birth moms cope? Um, Are there any triggers that are common or is it kind of all over the place?
3: Well, I think first, I think that we want to take grief and we want to put it in a box and we Mm -hmm. want it to look like okay, this is grief and it goes in this box and I can wrap it up. And, um, we also have people, lots of us who want to say, okay, tell me what grief is going to look like. And okay, I did this, 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 and this, I checked it off. Give me my, I completed my grieving certificate and let me be done with it. And it doesn't, it just doesn't work like that because, um, as Leslie will find out. And as you know, Mathani and Emma, you guys know, It can be 15 months. It can be four and a half years. And even from the women that I've heard on your podcast and that I've worked with um, throughout my career in adoption, you know, 50 years later, 60 years later, there's still things that can come up that, um, that you have to work through. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that... Um, one of the things that Leslie said that um, I talked a lot about with, with women that I worked with is um, that busyness of I'm going to pick up more shifts at work. I'm going to, you know, watch another movie, do all this stuff because um, on the outside, sometimes that looks like you're doing great. Like, okay, this girl, you know, she placed and she has, um, gone back to work and she started going to the gym and she's doing this, she's in school and all of these things. And so she's just, she's doing so great. But the reality is sometimes when you're filling your schedule so much that you don't have any time to pause and breathe, you're just stuffing it down and, and not working through it. Um, and sometimes that's survival mode and that's okay because we have to survive. But, um, I think it's important and I think it's really great that you can recognize that's what I'm doing. So I know when I have to take a break and stop and pause and, and acknowledge what I'm going through. Um, I do think that's really common. Yeah. Um, The avoidance. Yes. The avoidance is common. Um, and you know, I think knowing how you've dealt with grief in the past. And I think that's one thing that I would always um, a question I would pose to women going through this process is how have you dealt with hard things in the past? How have you dealt with trauma? How have you dealt with loss? Because that might be a great indicator as to how you're going to deal with this. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's be aware of it so we can have some ideas as how we're going to work through it this time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what do you think some of the common triggers are? Like, what have you seen for birth moms that like really, even the avoiders, I mean, I was an avoider as well. I was like Leslie, where I'm like as busy as I can be, whether or not it was intentional, but there were some things that surprised me that would just, it didn't matter. All of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm triggered. And like the grief was coming up, whether or not I liked
3: it. Right. Um, I think that seeing, um, babies or children, um, the same age as the child that you placed can be a trigger. Um, I think having a close friend or family member get pregnant and their experience being very different than yours. So we're having a baby shower, we're celebrating. Um, I think that can be a trigger. I think any big milestone. So you get an update and whatever that looks like, if it's a letter, if it's a, you know, a Facebook update, if it's a Zoom call, FaceTime, whatever, and they're saying words, they're talking, they've they've reached this new milestone. I think that can be a trigger because I think it's just like, you know, double-edged sort of, I'm so glad I'm getting to witness this or know about this, but also I wasn't there to experience the first time or,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, I may not be witnessing it all of the time. Um, I think holidays can be big, um, you know, pick, pick a holiday it doesn't, you know, we think of the big ones, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Mother's Day, very difficult. Um, but even if, let's say, you know, for your family, um, Halloween, where you see all the kids dressing up, and, and you've always, you know, loved Halloween, and then the first Halloween post placement, you're seeing all these kids dress up and realizing, oh, I don't have my child here with me, that can be a trigger. So yeah. those are some things, I'd say. Yeah. Leslie, does some of that resonate with you? Would you agree?
1: Oh,
2: very, very much so, um, it's especially the holiday one. Um, I, I, I had my daughter in October and, um, mm-hmm. and so I didn't even, it, it didn't even occur to me, like it, it didn't occur to me at all that like, you know, 20 odd some days later was gonna be the first like, you know, what I would consider holiday because Halloween is huge with me. And, mm-hmm. then, and then, and then I did I, And then like, after that happened, I was like, Oh, wait, November is my birthday. So there's another one. And then there's Christmas. And then there's New Year's. And then there's Valentine's Day. And I was like, great. I had her in a chunk, <laughs> like in a chunk of just back to back to back. And then, like, you know, I, it, <laughs> I did so many things when I was pregnant, that I didn't even consider how they would affect me, you know, later, like, you know, when I would drink Dr. Pepper, and then she'd start to dance and move, and then it's just all, like, a few months later, I would drink a Dr. Pepper, and it's just all, like, oh, I gotta put it down, <laughs> like, I, mm. I, I gotta stop, and it's, mm-hmm. just like, I, I, I was having, like, you know, a, a nice moment if, at the time, and I, you know, even, like, would take video recordings of, like, you know, her bouncing in my belly, but then I'd look at my belly again, and it's just, like, she's not there anymore, and it's, yeah. like, I just lost my best friend, <laughs> so yeah. I just, all of that definitely constantly.
1: Yeah, Leslie, I love that example of the Dr. Pepper because it's things like that where it's like, I mean, granted holidays still some reason catch us by surprise even though we're like, there's preparation beforehand but things like the Dr. Pepper come out of nowhere. And it's like, Mm -hmm. and, and no one can really sit you down and prepare you for that. And I think that's why like these triggers aren't bad. And I think that's important to state they're not bad. It's normal. It's, but it's important to a, like address and know that they're going to happen. And that's normal and healthy. And it's about facing them and letting your emotions, you know, to work through them. Cause like Heather said, if you're just always busy, and you don't have a, a second of your day to process that. Oh my gosh, drinking Dr. Pepper now makes me really sad. And just okay. to like acknowledge <laughs> that, or some people they're like, why am I sad as they're drinking Dr. Pepper and not even realizing it's because of that. So for you, Leslie, to even realize there's that connection, I think is huge. I feel like for me, I had to go to a lot of therapy to begin to connect why these weird things were making me sad. And so kudos to you for even being able, I know, (laughs) kudos to you for even being able to acknowledge that. But I think, you know, for any expectant moms that might be listening, this isn't to scare you it's just the reality and you're going to, you know, get through it, but there's going to be some of those things that are, you know, are kind of surprising, but it's good to work through for sure. So I like that example. Now, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I want to talk cuz we just talked about triggers and what's hard and how you cope. But what are some things that have helped the most, Leslie, with your grief?
2: Um, uh, you, you know, honestly, um, I think the the biggest thing um is is being in an open adoption Um, because every time, you know, I'll get like an update, you know, and and I'll get that that picture or that video or they, you know, we try to set up like FaceTiming and things like that. It, It always hurts every single time it hurts. And it's just all like, okay, like I have to like literally like, prepare myself to I had to like change the notifications on my phone so I couldn't like see the message when they pop up but I could just see who sent it just because like you know like because our relationship is so good that like you know their text messages they just come in with you know randomly I literally got a text from her this morning like from her mom this morning so it's just all like you know in each moment I kind of have to go all right like let me breathe and then and then I can open it but I think you know every time I think about that I think about like who I am and how I would have been if this had been a closed adoption and just I am sucker for overthinking and just over wondering and everything and so like I don't know who I'd be if like I had no idea anything about her so it's just like every moment of pain where it's just like okay here's another you know milestone that you know that I'm missing I could have missed this and a million other moments and and honestly that that always just makes you feel better like it always just you know th- then i feel like that's always like the first step so i can start to you know cope and like you know like positively you know go about everything else because you know it, i mean it has to start somewhere and that's where it starts with me every single time with every single message it's just like i could not be getting this i could be completely in the dark i could not know anything about her i could not know you know literally anything but I know so much and it's like you know there's uh, you know still always that pain still always the pain Mm -hmm. but I will take that pain over the pain of just like the mystery any day unknown yeah yeah
3: yeah that makes sense let me jump in real quick and just say I think that that is so important what you said that you know you get all these notifications and so you had to change the notification on your phone so that you couldn't see it and i just want to say that is such good self-care and self-awareness because Mm -hmm. it's knowing i love i'm so glad i get to be in communication with them i love getting you know updates but maybe when you're you know at work or somewhere you know like i don't need to be able to see exactly what it says right at that moment so kudos to you for being aware of yourself and, and utilizing, um, you know, your boundaries to say, okay, I'm going to see that I got, I'm not going to see what it says. That's, that's a really great step. That's really healthy. So good job. I'm I'm really impressed. Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) awesome. Cause there's a difference between avoidance and then healthy compartmentalizing, right? Like Mm -hmm. some, you know, it isn't maybe appropriate to like, you know, while you're working, like you kind of have to stay a little more composed, you know, but then maybe go home and you, and you, you know, look at the text or whatever, but Mathani, what are, what's your take on that? Cause I know we've talked a lot about that, of, of the type of adoption helping with, with the healing. Yeah,
0: no, a hundred percent. I really, um, resonated with what Leslie was saying with, you know, every time that, and I, I think I'm better with it now, but in the beginning, we you know when I was where Leslie is at, you know, a year in, um, anytime I got an update or a text, it always took my breath away, you know? Like I always like felt like, oh gosh, you know? Um, and I also like had to put the notifications where I couldn't see what it was. But um, they did get to a point where her mom would ask me, Hey, is it okay if I send an update? Or is, this, is it okay if I send a picture? That way, it wasn't like, boom, here's a picture, you know, like I wasn't prepared. Um, so that was really, really helpful for me um, to have, um, have them do or have her do that.
1: Almost well, like a heads up. Mm-hmm. How can I prepare you? That is cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. Heather, what are some things that you have seen? Um, outside of resources, because we're going to talk about that in a little bit of what resources are out there and and what resources are helpful for birth moms. What have you seen just like some things that birth moms do that seem to help?
3: Um, I think that, you know, you had mentioned talking about your experience. And I think um, that's really important. And that's not to say that it has to be on some large platform or a social media post or things like that because everyone has their different varying levels of comfort with that. But I feel like being able to have at minimum one trusted person that you know if you're having a rough day you can talk to. um, I think being able to talk about it is really helpful. Um, I think self-awareness is really important. Um, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but being aware to know if I get this in the middle of this day at this time, it is just going to wipe me out and I'm not going to be able to function. So I'm going to do this, this, and this to protect myself from that because I do have to function. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being self-aware and knowing what, what works for you and what doesn't is really important. Um, I think that, you know, being able to give yourself some things that... Um, our healthy coping skills and kind of identifying those in an ideal world before placement or even before delivery to say, you know, these are the things that are helpful to me because they're going to be different for everyone. So for someone, it might be journaling, for someone else, it may be running or riding a bike or, um, you know, talking to a friend, but identifying those things that are helpful to you before placement so that you have them kind of in your back pocket, I think are really helpful.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Leslie Mathani, did y'all have some of those? Like, did either of y'all journal or go on walks or, like, did y'all have something Do you identified?
0: My, my therapist has literally tried to get me to journal for two years.
1: <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's not for everyone. It's yeah,
0: not- right there with you. <laughs> and I probably should, but I just cannot (laughs) um but yeah I mean definitely like talk like sharing my story talking about it has been super helpful um I'm very involved like in the adoption community um on social media and like just meeting other women who you know are birth moms um and like making friendships that way that's like super super helped me um and also like hearing adopt like other members of the triaths like adoptees like listening to like um adult adoptees has like been everything for me um and so yeah
2: what about you Leslie probably the first couple of months I did try to like drown myself in like as many projects as possible just to see like which one of them would stick and, 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 you know, and I know, and I'm right there with you, um, journaling, I mean, I went out and I bought so many journals, so many, like, cute pens, I, like, bought all these commitment devices to, like, you know, go, like, well, if I've, I've, I've spent money on it, then I gotta do it now, and it's just nothing, like, they're all just in here, <laughs> like, They're <all> just <laughs> in my room, but, you know, I, 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 I did, you know, even before, you know, since I was a kid, like, I've always loved doing, like, jigsaw puzzles, and so, you know, and, you know, they've always just been, like, you know, just, like, a really nice, like, pastime, but honestly, like, over the, you know, since since I've placed her, it's, like, a puzzle a day, I just got, like, I have to do them, and, yeah. you know, and, 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 it, and it feels, it, 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 at, at first, I thought that I was just doing it obsessively just to, like, you know, honestly just you know just to drown myself in another thing but it it turned out that like you know i really do enjoy it i you know so i just do a bunch of puzzles so it's just all like if not a jigsaw puzzle then i do a crossword puzzle or i'll do like a you know a Sudoku puzzle or you know it's just like a lot of those different things because you know i just feel like you know keeping me active was, was what I wanted, was what I needed. And it's like, you know, I'm not someone, I'm not, I'm not going to go exercise. Like, that's just not me. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to like pretend that I want to, (laughs) yeah. Like, I'm not going to convince myself to go do it. Yeah. (laughs) But but a puzzle, that's easy. You know, I can pick that up and then I, and then I do feel okay with losing myself in that moment like I feel like that's okay and then like when I come out of it like I genuinely feel refreshed and so it's like all right like I can't like keep going with the day now yeah I do yeah. a lot of a lot of that
3: <laughs> well and what you're talking about does quiet your mind a little bit so um just like journaling where you would be getting something out kind of like putting your thoughts on a page a jigsaw puzzle or something like that, like it allows you to kind of like pause and yes, you're actively doing something, but I think it has a similar effect. So I think that's, I think that's wonderful. You know, it's a little bit different than busying yourself so much in, you know, work, school, things like that, where you're not, you don't have any time to yourself. Like that is a way of like self-care and pause and quiet a little bit to, whether it's consciously or subconsciously processing through how you're feeling.
1: Yeah. I was, Heather, I was actually going to ask what your thoughts were on that because it, it is that really hard line and balance of not thinking about it all the time because that's not good either, but also facing it and addressing it too. And so I think, yeah, maybe finding those things of like, okay, when are my moments of pause? You know, and am I allowing, incorporating that time and however it looks, if it's a jigsaw pu- puzzle or a run or, you know, cooking, whatever that is of self-care. Maybe that's, that's how you would put it. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Self-care, giving yourself time to quiet, pause from the busyness of the day to day that, you know, can sometimes just swallow us whole and, and drown everything else out. This is kind of something you're doing for you. Mm. Um you know, one of the things that we, I've talked about with women is, um, having a box. And I, I mean, it's kind of, I, I just talked about not putting grief in a box. So to go back on that, but not really, but <laughs> having a box where you all of your, so anything of your adoption. in. so if it's your sonogram photos or the hospital bracelet pictures, um, the family's profile book, um, And having a place where you have everything. I mean, it could be anything that reminds you of your pregnancy, adoption, and not saying it all has to stay in the box because I 100% fully support like having photos out and things like that. But if you have a box and also allowing yourself sometimes to just, you know, sit in your bedroom, pull out your box and just go through it and have a massive cry fest or just feel all the feelings and that. But also it allows you to put it back in and put it in that special place wherever it needs to go. Um, and it gives you that control of, okay, today I'm choosing, I'm sitting here, I'm going to go through it. But also sometimes I'm allowed to like put it away and move forward. And again, that's not saying you don't think about it. You don't have a picture out somewhere. Um, but it's just, it also gives you that freedom to just like dive deep into that, those feelings and those memories, um, throughout your pregnancy and making an adoption plan.
1: Yeah. I have a box. Do you girls have a box? Yep. Yep yeah I I have <laughs> sure a box. Yeah, yeah, I I have mine and I have all the things from the hospital and I have drawings from her brothers and and I know that that has been very helpful for me, especially before I was open about it. so I didn't have pictures out and about because I was so embarrassed and so and I didn't want people asking questions. So the box was this like really sweet intimate treasure of mine, that it was all mine. And I still find it very, you know, intimate to me because obviously I don't just, like, hand around the box. And, you know, it's still all, like, my treasures. But I know for me, I, in the very beginning, and obviously the smell is not there anymore, but I remember I had all of the little clothes from the hospital
0: mm-hmm. and it smelled
1: like her. Yeah. I, and I would go and, smell like, smell it to just – Feel like close to her again, um, which just makes me emotional because it was, you know, it's just such a sweet. And obviously, talk about a trigger like that's such a trigger, but it was, but it was, yeah. but I think it's hel- you know, I think in that way, like that was good for me to have. Um, so I love the box idea and I think it's cool y'all have it too.
3: Well, and I would say, Emma, I know you said the smell isn't there, but for any newer birth moms who have that, I mean, I think take the blanket, take the clothes that smell like baby, put them in a Ziploc it'll keep that smell longer. And smell mm. is the, is the sense that's the tied to memory. It's the most tied to memories. And so I know that. it can, yeah. So it can take you right back there. And I think, you know, being able to have that is, is so important.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Leslie, did you um, either Prior to like placement or giving birth and all that, did you know of any resources that you could um, take advantage of post-placement
2: and did you, uh, did you use them? Um. So, so no, no. Uh, everything that I learned about adoption, I learned like, you know, in the moment, like someone explaining mm-hmm. it to me. And so um, I, I, I didn't know until, you know, until my caseworker even told me that there were still resources, like, afterwards, because I, I was, I was pretty prepared for, you know, just a, all right, like, thanks, <laughs> like, bye, <laughs> good luck out there, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I mean, the only thing I knew about adoption came from, like, you know, TV, like, from movies and stuff, yeah. and, like, they never show afterwards, it's always just this beautiful experience, and then everyone, like, live happily ever after, and it's like, oh, that birth mom just like never think about the baby again <laughs> like <Right. just laughs> mm-hmm. so um so I you know I did find out about uh resources and things like that especially you know more toward um the uh you know right before like delivery and stuff and my caseworker was great about you know just um Uh, you know, making sure that I had a lot of resources and, and, um, you know, just making sure that, like, I knew that, you know, no matter what, whether they're in town or whether they're, you know, at whatever headquarters or, or anything like that, if they're, you know, um, you know, that everything was available. And I, I'm still... I I still haven't gone to, like, any of, like, the meetings that I've been invited to, and, and every now and then, I still, you know, check in with, like, you know, my, my post-adoption caseworker, but I haven't been able to bring myself to it yet. I, I, I love telling my story, you know, like, I'm not embarrassed, you know, I, I have a wonderful, you know, I have a wonderful relationship with the parents and everything, but there are still probably, you know, 80% of the people in my life that don't even know that I have a baby like they you know like it it was I was so good at hiding it and like you know and just so good at just you know just being so busy all the time that like you know no one ever you know it it just never occurred to anyone when they just didn't see me (laughs) so
0: Mm. I
2: um you know, every month, every month, I get so close to being like, okay, I think I'm finally ready to like, you know, go to a meeting. And then I just, I I just, I just get so scared. I just get so worked up. And I know that, and I know that it's like, it's a, it's, it's a like-minded community. Like it's, 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 it's all of us, but every, every time I just get so scared and I, and I don't know why, I don't know why, what I'm scared of. Like, I don't, and no one's going to bite me. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be that, but I just, um I just back down and I just, you know, so, so I have started like, you know, just reading, you know, blogs and just like listening to other people's stories and, you know, really every day just being so thankful about the relationship that I have with her parents, because I, it could have went so, so worse. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like they have, you know, no legal obligation to even keep me around. And so like, you know, it's just, it's all just out of love from them and so i feel like you know i'm getting i'm getting closer and i'm getting closer but i I haven't quite used those resources yet not yet
3: Mm. leslie i would say what you're describing is very normal Um, i for several years um, ran a support group for birth mothers and um, although there was the occasional woman who would come you know really soon after placement Um, I'd say often it was a couple years or more um, before someone was really ready to um, sit down with a a group of women that had been in a similar situation and and share or listen. Um, And so I just want to normalize what you're feeling because I've seen it happen. And I would have, um, I would ask for RSVPs. So I would have women that would, I mean, RSVP like every month, you know, but then they wouldn't come. Until like the first time, and anytime someone for the first time RSVP'd and then they did come. You know, it's, it was like a celebratory thing because you know it's hard to take that first step. It really is. And one of the reasons I love this podcast so much is because it allows women to hear stories of other birth mothers, but it takes the pressure off of having to be in that room. Also, so you can literally be listening like from your car or your room or in pri- wherever. Um, But you don't have to also engage, which can be really scary. So I just really want to normalize that because I think, you know, you've been, you and other birth mothers, it's a vulnerable thing to choose adoption and to choose a family and to place your child for adoption. And then to go sit in a room with other women and not know what to expect is also very vulnerable. So I think that, you know, having to take some pause before you do that is really normal.
0: It is normal not to or to be scared, I guess, to go to group or not to want to go to group. Um, In my case, I have been to group, I think, once or twice. um, And it was not for me (laughs) at all. Um, I prefer just individual therapy. Like I think that's the most productive and what brings me most peace um, versus going to a a, like a group meeting or you know um environment um
1: yeah i i personally yeah no it totally does i personally have never tried it so i can't say whether or not it's it's for me and leslie i I resonate with the kind of creating barriers of like getting like going i'm like oh well it's an hour and a half drive so i guess i can't go like obviously if it's important (laughs) i would make it happen um or if you know i i think i it is important but i allow that fear to get in the way But I do know people who have done, you know, the individual therapy and group therapy and they thrive in that group therapy type of session. Mm -hmm. And so Heather, because obviously everyone is different and what is best for them and works best. What are some other resources that expectant moms and birth moms can know about outside of maybe a support group?
3: So, um, I have a couple. I would say one Mathani um, kind of touched on is therapy. And I know that is also not for everyone. Um, some people will roll their eyes at that. Um, <laughs> but I want to also say that it's so important that you can find the right therapist because therapy yeah. with the wrong therapist doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are in a therapeutic setting and you're like, I hate this, not because it's hard, but like you hate it because like you don't feel like you have a good fit or you feel like a therapist is judging you or not hearing you, then that's probably not the right fit. But finding a therapist that can really sit with you and work with you and um, it will be uncomfortable and it will get hard because therapy can be hard, but it can also be hugely beneficial. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes or oftentimes placing a child for adoption can bring up other stuff to the surface. So not only are you dealing with the grief of, of placing your child for adoption, but you're also dealing with anything else that might've bubbled up from whatever you've been stuffing down, um, for however long. And so I think that, um, it can, it can be really helpful to work through all kinds of things. And I think sometimes women will choose to go to therapy because oh I placed a child for adoption and I want to work through this grief and then they end up in therapy for much longer because there are other things to work through that maybe they weren't even knowing about at that point um, so I would always encourage that um, and to find the right therapist I um, would encourage women to um, and birth fathers but women also to reach out to their local agency that you place through and ask them what are some resources that you can provide for me post adoption. Um, The agency that I work for luckily if someone wanted to speak to a birth mother that has already placed one-on-one we can do that, we can set that up, we can facilitate that Um, if they wanted to come in and talk to a caseworker we can do that. So I would really um, encourage people to press their agency for resources. I think that where we are today um, there are so many more resources and the understanding of how important post-adoption resources are to birth parents is has come to the surface so much more. Um, So I would I would encourage that. you know, I would I would encourage a support group at least to give it a try because I think that can be helpful. The other resource that I would say is bravelove.org. Um, they're an organization based out of Dallas, but they really, their mission is to spread um, knowledge about adoption and empower birth mothers and shine a light on birth mothers. Um, so they will, like they have something on their website where you can type in your zip code and they might show you a support group um, in that zip code They also do videos and stories of birth mothers, birth fathers, adoptees, um, all parts of the adoption triad. So I think that's a really great way to be able to, um, again, kind of like we talked about before, if you're not ready to fully invest in a two-sided conversation, um, to be able to read and learn more. I think one of the things that's so powerful is knowing that you're not alone. And so being able to Hear stories, read stories, see pictures of other women that have been um through a similar situation is so impactful. Yeah. Something I, I like that you said that I think is so important to emphasize
1: is if you do not like therapy, especially the individual therapy, ask yourself, is it because this therapist is not a fit or because I'm uncomfortable? Because if you're uncomfortable, that's normal. Right? And I think some people are like, oh, this is horrible. I have to talk about, about my feelings. I'm like, yeah, that's what you're paying for. I'm like, that's kind of the purpose and it's hard. And and so, to, but to be okay with saying, you know what? I don't think this person is a fit for me. I'm not feeling heard. I think that's a good question to ask. I like that you said that, Heather. You know, I, I don't I don't think we're really, really a match. I know my first therapist, when I went to college, she was like, it's okay to shop around. Now granted, take that with a grain of salt again, understand why you're having to shop around, you know, why do you feel, you know, you're not a fit with all these people, but it's okay to, to see and, and maybe set up a 15 minute phone call with the therapist and say, can we just get to know each other a little bit, you know, before you commit to a session or, or whatnot. Um, Heather, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts
3: on that. Yeah, I think that's great. I think um, most therapists will be more than happy to let you do that. Um, I also think that, you know, there is, and importance in finding a therapist that is um, adoption friendly, because unfortunately, um, you know, there are therapists that, even if they're not unfriendly towards adoption, they might just not be aware of what adoption looks like today. Or kind of like what Leslie said, your idea of adoption was all about, you know, um, you had said, the movies where everyone like rode off happily into the sunset or whatever and what happened to the birth mother. And so someone that can be aware and, and make sure to be supportive and encouraging to a birth mother and, and be aware of the process. So um, that can be a little bit harder to find, but again, hopefully um, the agency that, that you've worked with can maybe give you some referrals to a counselor that is adoption friendly.
1: That's a, That's good advice because I was just about to ask, how do you go about that conversation with the therapist? Of, you know, because obviously not everyone's going to be specialized
3: in adoption, but maybe asking how familiar they are. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think even verbiage, like you know, we uh, we talk about here, like you know, you placed your child for adoption, you made an adoption plan. So if you have a therapist that says you gave up your baby, like even though okay, maybe they just don't know any better, like that might not be the right fit because. I imagine yeah. that's triggering to hear over and over again. Um, so someone who's just familiar um, with with the language and the process, someone who doesn't have an archaic view of adoption from, you know, 1975, because adoption has changed a lot in the past yeah. 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And, and while we're on the
1: topic, before I pivot, um, I do want to say for the readers out there, I say that as if I'm a reader, I've always wanted to be a reader. I'm not, but there is one book that I, that I read part of that I, I really do think is great um, is children of open adoption. Um, I read that when I was pregnant and choosing a place. There's another book called dear birth mother. Um, it is also an amazing book. Um, so for adoptive parents or birth parents or expectant parents out there, those are some great, great reads. Um, I, I, I have heard great things about the both of them. Um, I know there's other great resources as well, but hopefully that provides for our listeners some, some resources and direction on how to seek some additional help. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views
0: expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals.
1: To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.